Let's pray. Father God, we know that your words are powerful and they speak new life and new worlds into being. Lord, every time we gather around your word and hear your voice, we're offered the words of eternal life. Lord, help us to hear them today. Help us to know what it is that you're saying to each one of us. And help us to respond. Amen. News of the Monica Lewinsky scandal first broke on the 17th of January in 1998. Nine days later, on the 26th of January, President Bill Clinton, with his wife beside him, spoke at a White House press conference and he issued a forceful denial uh, and it contained some of the, the best known sound bites of his whole presidency. I want to say one thing to the American people. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I never told anyone to lie, not a single time, never. These allegations are false. As the story played itself out, before long, what everyone had suspected all along uh, was, was made known to be true. Bill Clinton had been sexually involved with Monica Lewinsky, and he had lied to the American people. This morning we come to our ninth and penultimate commandment. Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 20 verse 16 says, you shall not give false witness against your neighbor. Don't lie. We're surrounded by words in our modern world. They come at us all roads whether it's the TV or the radio, uh, whether it's text or tweets, emails, the internet, sometimes even in the old-fashioned thing called conversation where two people face each other and, and talk. Words are everywhere, and they're vital. But all too often the words that we hear or speak aren't true. We don't really expect words to be true always anymore. Like when somebody says, give me your number and I'll call you back. Or this questionnaire will take only two minutes of your time. Or when the dentist says, open wide, this won't hurt. We have a few dentists in the congregation. Um, Or I'm from the Inland Revenue And I'm here to help you. We live in a world that's come to accept uh, lies. It's understood that we should expect a credibility gap between what a politician says 
the spin that they put out there and what it is that they're actually trying and willing to achieve. You've heard the phrase, no doubt, about somebody being economical with the truth. That phrase re-entered the British consciousness after Margaret Thatcher's cabinet secretary, Robert Armstrong, used it during the spy catcher trial in the mid-80s. Economical with the truth. It's come to, to be a metaphor for a lot of our modern communication. We inhabit a world today where truth is in short supply. I think we've come so much to accept lies that we, we probably aren't able to measure or even think about the impact that dishonesty has on a whole culture. Once we've been lied to, something critical happens. There's a breakdown in trust. How can you have a meaningful, a meaningful relationship with somebody who's a liar? You can't really. This breakdown in breakdown in trust can be catastrophic even for a whole country in his commentary on these ten commandments David Searle argues that the prosperity of an entire nation depends on truth being upheld in that nation it's a staggering statement when I first read it I wasn't, I wasn't sure but I read on a nation's economic and domestic prosperity can only be founded on truth and honesty so, for example, if, if a nation's banks and insurance companies can't be trusted to deal honestly with the money uh, that's invested with them, then people won't want to do business anymore in that country or, or with its banks. In the past, this was one of the reasons for the success of Great Britain on the world stage. Foreign investors knew that if you traded with Britain and invested in British enterprise, your money would be in safe hands. They knew that if, if the particular agency you were dealing with let you down, they knew that the court system would then step in and the truth would prevail. Conversely, this is one of the reasons why at least some developing countries can't climb out of the, the poverty that they live in. There's so much bribery, corruption, and constant dishonesty in the culture that it's almost impossible to do business with them and to, to see them rise economically. I simply share that with you for a couple of moments to show you that, that there's nothing trivial about this commandment. It's not a, a suggestion that we shouldn't fib or tell white lies. This commandment's a cornerstone of society. Whenever it's gone, we, we lose an awful lot. So let's look then at this ninth commandment. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. As we proceed this morning, I want to, to address three particular issues. Firstly, we'll think together for a moment about why it is that we lie. Secondly, about why followers of Jesus Christ shouldn't lie. And third, we'll think about some practical steps that we can take to fight lies and to become people of truth. Firstly then, this important question at the heart of the matter. Why do we lie? 
there are lots of reasons why in a particular circumstance we might tell a particular lie. But at the heart of it all, at the heart of our lying is a desire to cover up. We want to cover up who we really are or what we're really thinking or what we've really done. There's a gap between who we really are and how we want to be perceived. And we bridge that gap with a lie. We don't want to be seen in a true light. And so we, so we lie. In the third chapter of John's Gospel, just a few verses after the very famous John 3.16 where Jesus tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus continues to talk about his coming into the world and he puts it in these terms. He says, light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. So there's something about truth that goes hand in hand with with light or transparency or, or visibility. And conversely, there's something about lies that goes hand in hand with, with darkness, with with keeping a a veil over things. Notice, by the way, that there's a a kind of a circularity here with the commandments, the the other commandments that we've been thinking about recently. Who is it who's going to be inclined most of all to disobey the ninth commandment? Isn't it the person who's breaking the others? Murderers, the murderer, almost without exception, becomes a liar. The adulterer, he or she will go to great lengths to keep the truth out of the picture. Ask Colin Howell. Whenever we steal, we'd prefer to to keep people in the dark about that too. So lying follows hot on the heels of other sins. So then our, our first point This is why we lie. We lie because we live in darkness and do things that we ought not to do and we don't want people to see us as we really are. That brings us to our second point. Why is it so important for followers of Jesus Christ not to lie? In a way, what I'm going to say now is very similar to what I would say for each of the commandments. To lie is to go against the very character of God. If if you learn anything from studying the Bible, you soon learn that God loves truth. God is light. He sees everything and he knows the real state of affairs. So we can't hide anything from him. And whenever we do or, or try to, it's like pouring contempt on our relationship with him. If you think through the logic of it, what's actually going on 
when we lie before someone who can see everything. If we're serious about following Jesus Christ, then our lives should be marked by truthfulness at every turn. Jesus is truth, and this was absolutely central in how Jesus understood his own character. He describes himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And a few moments ago, we read from the account of Pilate questioning Jesus. Would you flick it open for me Uh, again? We'll have another quick look at it. John chapter 8 on page 1087. Sorry, John 18 on page 1087. In this passage, Jesus makes what, what certainly for me is one of the most staggering statements in the whole of Scripture. In this passage, Pilate's questioning Jesus. He's trying to get to the heart of this young rabbi who stands accused in front of him. He's looking for the truth. And he asks Jesus in verse 37, You're a king then. Jesus answered, You're right in saying that I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to testify to the truth. And now the bombshell. Everyone, says Jesus, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate thinks he's got Jesus on trial here. He's trying to establish facts about the situation to see if he can find the truth. But truth in human flesh is standing in front of him. You can't evaluate Jesus Christ by some other standard of truth. All other truths or truth are evaluated in relation to him. He's the fixed point. That's why Jesus says, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Hold that comment in your head and then run the story of Jesus' last days and hours in your mind. Everyone on the side of truth, Jesus says, listens to me. In the very next hours, we're going to see a vivid demonstration of how much this world hates truth. The people of Jesus' day hated truth so much that they executed Jesus Christ on a Roman cross within 24 hours of saying what he said to Pilate. Folks, it's still the same today. One of the biggest reasons why we stay away from Jesus is because we hate the truth that he confronts us with. We're not ready to confront the truth about ourselves and to be exposed to his light. It was the fundamental truthfulness of Jesus that put him on such a collision course uh, with hypocrisy. Because hypocrisy, if you think about it, is, is the deadly enemy of truth. When we act as hypocrites, 
we only care about what's on the surface with outward appearances. We ignore the truth, the real state of how things are. So a hypocrite can't ever deeply be a friend of God because God is and loves truth. God's not interested finally in the appearances that I keep for outsiders. They mean nothing to him. God's interested only in the reality of what's going on inside my life and my heart. What have we said so far about lying? First, we've said that we lie because we're unwilling to let people see us as we really are. Second, we've said that followers of Jesus Christ are people who desire to be fundamentally truthful. He is truth, and we want to be like him. He's light, and we want to learn to live in the light. And that brings us now to our third point. What practical steps can we take to fight lies and to become people of truth? The first step to fighting lies and becoming people of truth is to remember the cost of lying. We've already thought about that on a, on a macro scale, the effect that dishonesty might have on the economy of a nation. But what about lying on a, on a micro scale? What, what effect would lying have on us as we do it, as we lie? When we lie, we not only harm the person that we're misleading. I think, I think that's the obvious thing. We, we know that when we lie, we're, we're dishonoring somebody and harming them. But we also deeply affect ourselves. Because when we lie, we corrode our sense of who we really are and of what reality is. Once we make lying a habit of our heart, we lose the ability to trust others. Have you ever noticed that a person who habitually lies themselves is paranoid about whether other people are telling them the truth or not? If I'm lying, we say to ourselves, then maybe they're lying to me as well. Liars don't know then whether they can believe their, their friends or their family or, or even their lovers. Is he telling the truth? Is she is there anyone in this world that I can trust and believe? So a first step to, to fighting lies and becoming people of truth is to recognize the, the destructive power of lies even on our own lives. A second step to fighting lies and becoming people of truth is to face up to the truth about ourselves. That means taking responsibility for our own actions. It means admitting the things that we have done wrong and all the ways in which we can't help ourselves and do much about it. Many people have things that have happened to them in the past or that they have done in the past that continue to haunt them and to cripple them in the present. 
And those things need to be dealt with. If you feel weighed down today by by bad secrets, by things that have have made you maybe a a person who's had to be dishonest, then I'd encourage you to, to find somebody wise whom you can talk to. Somebody you trust. And share it with them in confidence. Maybe it's time for you to unburden yourself from that thing that you've carried for years. Maybe it's time to step out of the darkness and to begin to live in the light. Actually, that's my my third point. If we really want to fight lies and become people of truth, we'll finally want to step out of the darkness and into the light. What do I mean by that? If it's true that we're, we're most prone to lie because of sin in our lives, then we'll want to learn to live lives that don't require lying. Because we have nothing that we want to cover up. I think we want to develop a sensitivity to the lying impulse. Whenever we find ourselves wanting to lie, we we need to immediately ask ourselves, what is this that I'm about to do here? That, That makes me want to lie or to hide this? What kind of behavior am I about to get involved in that I can't be open about it? That it has to be secret, disclosed, kept in the darkness? If I have to lie about this, then it can't be good. I want to step out of the darkness. I want to live in the light. Even as I'm saying these words and sharing them with you this morning, I hear a voice in my head screaming, hypocrite. Who are you, Christoph, to be telling other people to step out of the darkness and live in the light? How willing are you to have your life thrown open before people that they might see how you live and think. It's a terrifying prospect, isn't it? Terrifying, but absolutely beautiful. Can you imagine it? Can you feel the freedom of it? The release? Living a life where you don't have to pretend or lie. Wow. I have to close for this morning. Today is admittedly a beautiful Sunday morning. I always enjoy my walk down to church along the Newtonards Road, but on a a day like that, it's just beautiful. And today as I was walking down, I noticed that uh, the cross that we put up each year, round about this time, a few weeks before Easter, has been put up. Friends, the cross of Jesus Christ is the only hope for liars like me. And I'll tell you why. 
We lie because we can't admit who we really are. We can't come to terms with it. So we have to hide it and we have to lie about it. We can't admit who we really are and we cannot take responsibility for our actions. But in the cross of Jesus Christ, God comes and he says to us, I know who you really are. And I'm going to take responsibility for your actions. My son Jesus will come and he will take care of it all. You can be forgiven. You can be set free from all your guilt and the shame that comes with it. So folks, as we think this morning about lying, about why we lie, how much we lie, I ask you, have you ever for a moment left the lying and the pretense and the hypocrisy and come to the cross of Jesus Christ? Have you come to the one place where you're known for who you truly are? And have you accepted there the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy and the love of God? Friends, it's the only place where we can see ourselves as we really are and not despair. If you do that, then you'll find God's forgiveness. If you do that, you'll find God will birth in you a spirit that is, is keen to become true and right. If you do that, you'll find that over time, he will call you from darkness to edge your way slowly into the light. The ninth commandment says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Jesus says, come. Come out of the darkness. Come live in the light. Let's pray. Father God, we can hardly imagine what it would be like to live in a world where we couldn't lie or at least be economical with the truth. At first glance, that's a a terrifying prospect, something we don't even know that we'd want. Father God, we thank you for your beautiful and pure character. Thank you that you're true, through and through. And thank you that because Jesus Christ died for us, because our hypocrisy and our lying has been dealt with, we can be forgiven. And you offer us a fresh start. Lord, would you help us to see this morning the beauty of truth, of your truth. Help us to see just how destructive and how shackling and how 
how shrinking the world of lies and dishonesty really is. Lord, help us to trust you. Throw ourselves on your grace and your mercy. And walk out into the light. Help us to trust in Jesus. Amen.